At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, you guys. Today on On Point, we are joined by Maddie Comstock. Hi. And me and Maddie know each other from our (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Many moons ago. Many moons ago. Years ago. But we've stayed connected through all this time. And I was talking with her and she was like, I would love to come on and share my experience about getting sober at a very young age. Yeah. And I feel like it's a really important topic to dive into. I've told you guys so many times that I have many loved ones and people in my life that struggle with addiction. And it's just such an important subject. And it's so more common than you would think. And I feel like it's important to just talk about it, tell your story. And yeah. 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 I mean, I got sober at 23. That's crazy. Um, I was a senior in college and I was living in New Orleans. When, when, did, um, when did you like first drink or use or? The first drunk that I ever had. I think I was 11. 11? Yeah, I was 11. No way. Where'd um, you grow up? I grew up in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, right outside of Philadelphia in like the suburbs. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, grew up in a, in a town where you know, everybody had a lot of money and the kids were really bored. And so everybody turned to drinking and using and just partying all the time. Um, so yeah, when I was like in sixth or seventh grade, it was when we started really experimenting with alcohol, um, and weed and all of that fun stuff. Um, I remember the first, the first drink I ever had was a bottle of, uh, gin. No. And it was horrible. No. It was absolutely horrible. What made you like first do that at 11 was this because other people were doing other it, people were doing it and it was like a whole like plan like I remember it was like okay we're gonna have a sleepover and then and then my one friend was like I can steal a bottle of gin and I was like we everybody was like yeah let's do it like let's try it oh my god um and I remember you know I remember drinking that first drink and being like oh my god yeah oh my god this is what I've been searching for and you loved it I loved it it was I like, loved the way that it made me feel. I loved the like comfort and warmth that it brought me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I never really stopped. Yeah. Like it would be occasional. It was a ca- more occasional in middle school. Right. But then once summer going into high school, it was just like 
I was off to the races. Really? Was oh. it just alcohol at that point? Or Yeah, at that point, and weed. But like, okay. um, yeah, I was smoking a lot of, not a lot, but I was definitely smoking. Um, my friends were way more potheads than they were drunks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was always a mixture of both. It was always just like, let's just avoid the feelings that we have and yeah. just like do something yep um you know as most young teenagers want to do and to you at that age you didn't think it was a problem you were just like oh, no no and- definitely not yeah. it was young and fun and free and i mean you'll hear most people um most people in the program talk and say you know it was fun and then it was fun with problems and then it was just problems Shit. um so for that first from 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 like 12, 13 to about 18, 19 was just fun. Yeah. It was just fun. Yeah. I didn't have my first real consequence until I got to college. Okay. Um, But all throughout high school, it was just like I was known as the party girl. Really? And it was just amazing. And you hadn't used any drugs at that point or it was just weed and alcohol or? Um, Let's see. I tried cocaine for the first time when I was like 15. No. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then it never really stuck. Never really stuck uh, in the beginning. Yeah. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, definitely going into college, it was like I realized that if I did cocaine, then I was able to drink more mm-hmm. and it wouldn't make me black out as hard. Yeah. Um, Because I am somebody who even from the beginning when I started drinking that I physically could not stop myself. So every single time I drank, I blacked out every single time. I feel like that's a common thing I hear with people that realize they have an actual problem. It's it's just like you just can't stop. It's uncontrollable. Physically could not stop myself. Was that from the very beginning that you started? Yeah. Yeah. Then you go into college and you're struggling. I go into college. So I do, I do the traditional college route. Um, Okay. I was, I was so, I was so bad in high school. Yeah. I was so bad in high school. I like barely made it through high school. Yeah. Barely. Okay. Um, just didn't care. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I would have like free periods and go out and we'd smoke weed and then come back to school and I'd be super high or, you know, there'd be passing around a water bottle full of vodka mixed with Gatorade because you can't smell. Yeah. Cause you can't smell vodka. Yeah. When it came time for college, I applied, did I think to like four or five schools? Like none. And I spent instead of like people, you know, researching majors and researching um, what they wanted to do with the rest of their lives. I was I was researching which was the best party school, you know, which had the best drugs, which had the best people, which had the most money, which had, you know, like that is what I was interested in. Yeah. Um, Was like where am I going to fit in? Yeah. Where am I going to fit in and where am I going to be able to not be judged for the way that I drink and I use? Yeah. And that's what like you were looking for. That's what I was looking for. School. That was it. And what, what school that did you end up? I ended up at High Point University. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> was that like a party school at the time? Or? Um. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was very similar to the town I grew up in, a bunch of rich kids with nothing better to do. Yeah. Okay. So, You go to college. I go to college. Yep. High Point University. High Point University. Did you know anyone going into it or you just were fresh? So my high school boyfriend went to High Point with me. Okay. Um, It was like unrelated, but also related. But like we weren't going to college to be together. It, It was, I don't, we both ended up there and a few of his friends. So like I had a little group. Yeah. Like ready to go. Okay. And they um, also like 
yeah. were partiers. Yeah, and- yeah. I mean, they were like typical like frat boys, you know. Did they notice that like that you had a problem more no, than the others? Or? No, because it was still fun then. Yeah. You know, it didn't necessarily grow into fun with problems yet. Okay. Um, And kind of towards the end of me being at a high point was when it kind of turned into problems or okay. fun with problems. I lasted a semester and a half. A semester and like a few weeks. Really? And I got the boot. Real they kicked quick. you out? They kicked me out. For just not showing up? Or? Not showing up. I completely failed out. Okay. Completely failed out. And at high point is really where I, you know, my love for uh, cocaine started. Okay. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> That's where it really started. Um, again, it, it gave me more stamina mm-hmm. um, to keep going and to yeah. keep drinking and to keep partying. And of course, I started dating the drug dealer. Oh, God. Um, so it was accessible at my fingertips at any time. Yeah. Yeah. I just like wanted to fit in. Yeah. And like that is... That's the main reason for all of it is I just wanted to fit in. Really? I really just wanted to fit in and I really wanted people to like me. And from that, you know, high school party girl persona, I realized that people liked it. Yeah. You know, people were like, oh, she's always down for a good time. Yeah. She'll do whatever. And so I ran with it. Of course. I ran with it really far and really long and really hard. Yeah. So I lived at home, I think, for about a year. I think it was about a year. Okay. Um, I went to Mardi Gras with my parents. Okay. Um, during that time, I went to Mardi Gras with my parents and family friends, and we, you know, had a blast. And when I went to Mardi Gras, I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with New Orleans. I was like, this is the perfect place for me. Yeah. Bars are open 24-7. Oh, Everybody here drinks and uses the exact same way that I does. Nobody will even bat. And I. Yeah. And I was like, this is it. This is where I belong. This is perfect. This is it. And so I somehow convinced my parents that it would be a good idea to let me go to school in New Orleans. You know, and this is where the where the problems really started. My problems really started when I moved to New Orleans because again, I was in a city full of people who did everything just like me. Yeah. So it just, I went off the deep end. I went off the deep end. I would start drinking and then throw a tantrum if I couldn't find cocaine, like full-blown tantrum. At this point, I was waking up with such bad hangover anxiety, and I I never threw up the nights that I drank too much. I always threw up the next morning. Um, And, like, my anxiety was out of this world for the last year. And and I do want to say before we get to The Last Supper, right before it, I knew that I had a problem. Okay. It started to finally click in my mind. So I'd failed out of school twice from Loyola. I had to take a semester off, worked, lived in New Orleans. Um, And then the second time I failed out, I had to go through to school-mandated therapy. What? Mm -hmm. Um, So I found this amazing therapist. I still work with him today. We've been working together for like seven years now. Amazing. Um, He's incredible. And... um, you know, through that, started teetering with this idea, whatever. So it was the summer before we went back, and I had a I had a one trip to visit friends planned each month, and so my goal was to convince myself that I didn't have a problem. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna drink until I go away. Yeah. So like, I get one weekend a month to go crazy. Okay. And for the most part, ish, I did it. Okay. I did it. So 
<clears throat> I had convinced myself that I didn't have a problem because I, but the thing is, is when I went on those trips, I went to Miami, I went to Austin, and then the last month was of going back to New Orleans. Um, Second, I landed in Miami, blacked out till I left. Second, I landed in Austin, blacked out till I left. Don't remember yeah. much of either weekend. So it didn't matter. It just like. It just, it didn't matter. Yeah. That's there, the there thing. There was no control there to was, be had. There was no, yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. But like, I convinced myself like, I'm not an alcoholic because I didn't drink, right? Right. And in my mind, alcoholics are somebody that has to wake up and drink every day. Yeah. Somebody that, you know, lost their house, lost their family, lost their kids, yeah. you know, as a DUI, like. All of these things that I thought an alcoholic was, I was like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And you like, know? this is normal. I'm 20, 22 or 23 yeah. or however yeah. old you, you're like, oh, this is what we're all doing, right? Like, it's yeah. college lifestyle. Exactly. You know? you know? And so I was like, I, I, I fully convinced myself I cannot be an alcoholic because I did not drink for two weeks at a time. Yeah. You know? So I was like, I'm good. You're, you're chilling. I'm yeah. good. But then when it came down to it, you couldn't stop yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So then flashback forward i come back to new orleans uh, at the end of august and um all of my friends are together we all got dressed up to go to you know the parades and all this stuff it was a thursday okay it was a thursday it was the first and last time we ever had a white claw so no way yep that was yep. a thing that was that oh. was like the very beginning okay that, that was the very beginning of the white claw oh epidemic. my gosh just um, for context. <laughs> yeah, my friends, my friend brought it, brought it back from Austin and was like, you have to try these. They're amazing. They will not be missed. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, and so I, um, I started drinking on a Thursday. I have no recollection. And I came to on a Monday. So I lost four days. And you don't remember anything don't in remember those four anything. days? Wow. I woke up and I just had this feeling of like, what the hell happened? Yeah. What the hell happened? I was, thank God I was home in my own bed. Yeah. And I was alone, yeah. which was a really promising sign. Yeah. But, you know, and then I texted all of my friends and I'm like, hey, what happened? I have no idea what happened in the past four days. Wow. And not a single soul would respond to me. Really? I have no, I had no idea. And still? I had no idea. I know a little bit. Okay. I know a little bit. I don't know a lot. I know that I was really abrasive towards some people. I know that I was really mean to some people. Mm -hmm. Like, told somebody that, like, they were genuinely stupid. Like, I believed that part. Like, I was just mean. Okay. And then, like, they were crying about it, and I couldn't remember what I said, so I got, like, really aggressive towards them. Okay. And I was like, tell me why you're fucking crying. Like, trying to kick down her door. Like, just, like, lost my mind. Like, yeah. I just lost my mind. Yeah. And so I woke up from that, and I was like... It was the worst feeling I've ever had. Mm -hmm. It was the single-handedly the most the most horrible feeling I'd ever had. Wow. And I was in that moment, I had mustered up enough enough um just uh, what's the word? Surrender. Yeah. That I not quite yet, but I left my house. Okay. It was my first week of senior year. And I left my house and I moved to a hotel for a week. Wow. And I didn't speak to anybody. I told my parents, I have no idea what's going on. Everybody hates me. I need to go to a hotel, whatever. So I did that. I went to the hotel. Um, and I um, basically just stayed in this dark room for like a week. Mm. And I had a therapy appointment in that week. And I somehow got the energy to go. 
So I went to the therapy appointment and, you know, as you, as you do with most alcoholics, you kind of have to, uh, teeter around the fact right you have to right be like maybe you yeah. know maybe there you do actually you have a problem with your drinking you downright know? say it like, yeah no, i don't have a problem exactly yeah. you know because we're just the most offensive people because we're the most perfect people on the planet of course, right it's yes. like everything we do is perfect <laughs> you know we want to control everything so this being out of our control is the scariest thing in the entire world of course um and so he told me he was like maybe maybe you have a problem why don't you just try to go to one meeting yeah try to go to one meeting and see if there's anything that you relate to and I was so ready to surrender and I was so done and I just was at the lowest point that I ever had been in my entire life that I didn't know I didn't know what else to do yeah I didn't know what else to do so I said okay and so I went to my first meeting and it was right across the street from my school at the time. Okay. And I pulled up to this meeting and right literally. So it's like, it was like a, um, how do I describe it? It's like a one way street and my school is on one side and the place that I was going to meeting, I was on the other side. So like literally directly across the street. Okay. So I was pulling up to park and I'm pulling up there and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do this? Like, I'm so scared. I'm shaking. I'm sweating. Well, I'm also sweating because I'm going through straight up withdrawal. Yeah. Um, and I'm sweating also because I'm going through withdrawal, but also nerves. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm freaking out. And right behind me that, that boyfriend that I'd mentioned when I went to, when I moved down there for the first time, I, um, I also met him on the first day of school, the first day of transfer oh, there. God. Um, and he pulled up right behind me to pick up his new girlfriend from school. Oh my God. So I sat there in my car shaking and trembling and I was like, I have an excuse. I have an excuse to go to the bar right now. No. I have an excuse. No. I can go to the bar and get wasted because of what I just saw. Right. I could do it. I have a justifiable yeah. excuse. Yeah. And I cannot tell you what happened between me sitting in my car to me walking in through those doors of the meeting. I cannot tell you what happened. I do not know how I got in there. I do not remember. I remember seeing, uh, uh, she's still one of my good friends now. I remember seeing a dog. I remember seeing a dog and thinking, that's a cute dog. I'm going to follow that dog wherever it goes. I'm just going to follow it. Okay. And that dog ended up being going into the same meeting. Wow. And I was I was sitting in that meeting and I was so scared. I was petrified. I bet. Yeah. I was petrified that I was going to hear something. That validated. That, that resonated were, that yeah, I was an alcoholic. Totally. Because, you know, I'd been I'd been running from it for Gosh, let's see. I mean, at that point, I'd been drinking for 12 years. Right. Um, wow. Which is crazy because I was only 23. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what happened. And I cannot tell you what was said at that meeting. I cannot tell you anything else about it just because I do not remember. Yeah. Just it was like one of those things where my fear and my emotion and everything kind of took hold of me. Yeah. And I just like blacked out. Yeah. Um, and I walked into those rooms that day and I never left. Wow. I never left. And now here we are almost five years later and I'm still sober. Did you go through rehab 
I did not. You didn't. Mm -mm. You. It was like self. It was self motivated. Yeah. Plus meetings. Did you go every day? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. I immediately found somebody who could take me through the twelve steps, um, and I, um, you know, I, I had a, a a beautiful friend who, with the dog, ended up living a block away from me, and she was the one who really kept me sober that first year. She would come she i she made me give her a, a copy of the key of my house key okay she would come into my house and she would pull me out of bed because i'd be in there and i'd be like i'm I'm too sad to move like if i move i'm gonna drink she'd be like get your ass up and she would literally no my hair wasn't brushed my teeth weren't brushed like i was in a full depression right it would pull me out of bed it would take me to a meeting just be like just sit here wow. just listen she did that Bless until her. until i was able to do it for myself okay and if the, you know one of the big things that we say in the program is like, let us love you till you can love you. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. The program cha changed my life. Yeah. It cha absolutely changed my life. Wow. I was able to start going to class. Yeah. And, you know, I went from straight, literally D's and C's every semester to I told myself, you know, like, you're really going to try. Yeah. Just try. Just see what happens. Just give it, you know, give it all your effort for one yeah. semester. I got straight A's. Wow. I was called into the dean's office and I was like, oh, fuck. What now? Oh, no. Oh, no. And he sat me down and he was like, I have a question. And I was like, what? And he was like, I've never seen this before in my history of working here. And I've been here for 30 years that a student went from failing so miserably to getting straight A's. Wow. And they were like, what changed? You, you told them? Yeah. Wow. And I was like, I realized that, you know, through, through the power of the program and learning how to take accountability and responsibility and show up right. for the things that you say you're going to do. Yeah. Um, it's a huge part of it. Yeah. Is showing up. 100%. You know, we say what we do, what we say we're going to do. Yeah. And I made that commitment to myself and I made that commitment to my school and, you know, and I've just, I just, I owe everything to this program. Okay, I have some questions. Go ahead. What, you know, you were, okay, 23 mm -hmm. when you chose to get sober. What was it in you that was like, okay, this isn't me just living out my 20s in college versus like, actually i have a problem like what was the did what did you differ in that way of like okay well, why is it that my friends can do this and you know that's exactly that's literally exactly it is okay why can my friends do this and be fine and i can't yeah why can everybody else drink like a normal person but i can't yeah how come every time i drink i threaten to kill myself or hurt somebody around me or whatever it might be like yeah. why can i not do that yeah, it just it, I couldn't again. I couldn't understand it. And at that point, when I moved into the hotel, I was so desperate that when my therapist said, "Maybe you're an alcoholic," again, my perception of an alcoholic was, you know, you've lost everything. You drink every single morning. You're drinking out of a paper bag. You right. probably are houseless. You know, like all of this stuff. It's like yeah, the stigmas. And so I was so desperate. I was so desperate to get better that I just said, okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you struggle when you went to these meetings with identity of like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what kind of um, like people were there, what ages, but were you like the youngest one in the, in the nope. meeting or you weren't? Okay. Nope. 
And so there, like, you could relate to, to yeah. other people in there. Yep. Okay. Yep. And like, again, I had no idea that, that it even existed, yeah. that this program even existed. I had zero idea. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I learned really quickly that even if it was a room full of older people or people that had a bunch of time or whatever it might be, that it's all about the similarities. It's not about the differences. Yeah. You know, so I remember when I, I was probably, I probably had about three months and I, um, heard someone speak and she was a veteran and she was older and all this stuff and I had um I oh shit sorry. you're good I had um I remember rolling my eyes and being like Ugh, I'm not gonna hear anything that I relate to and right. in that moment it clicked in my brain and I was like wait but the thing is is that it doesn't matter what they say and what happened to them what matters is that we feel the exact same yeah. way a, I mean, it's we a feel human the brain. exact same way. It's like I feel like everyone has something in in them that can change on a dime like that. You yeah. know, whether it be a toxic relationship that you can't get help with that you don't want to talk to anybody yeah. about, whether it be as as heavy as a like, really heavy drug addiction. You know, it's like there's just it's such a spectrum, and at the end of the day, it's all we're all the same. You know, yeah. we all have the same problem. So regardless of, I mean who it is you're gonna yeah. like yeah and I mean struggle. I think I think it even applies to every other aspect of life right yeah. every even you know every normal drinker or whatever it might be regardless it's about the similarities and not the differences absolutely so it's like just because this person's going through this doesn't mean that the feeling that you felt isn't the same that they felt right so it's just an interesting way to kind of you know look at life now yeah um with everything yeah with it's a total different perspective yeah. After that, you know, you're you're still in college and obviously you're going to be invited to parties and stuff. Did you go out still and, and have that restriction or how did that work? So I did. OK. Um, I was really emotionally attached to that party girl persona. Yeah. I did not want to let it go. I did not want to let it define me. Yeah. Um, I did not want to now be the lame person. Of course. You know? Yeah. So I kind of I. I for anybody listening that might get sober, I do not recommend doing this, but I did it the wrong way okay. and the hard way. Okay. Um, I, I kind of told myself I was either going to be sitting in my room all alone for the rest of my senior year, or I'm going to suck it up and figure out how to be around alcohol while trying to get sober. Okay. So I chose that one. Okay. <laughs> Does not seem easy. No. So I'm like a week, probably a week sober at this point, And I'm already back out at the bars. How did you like stop yourself? I, again, I don't know. It's like a higher I power took over in yeah, a way. Exactly. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, there were some little like tips and tricks that I learned through the program of like, um, always have a drink in your hand. Right. Always have a drink in water your hand. or whatever. Water, soda, soda, Red Bull, whatever. Red Bull. I'm a Red Bull girl. Oh, I know. You told um, me that once. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll oh, never forget yeah. something you told me. You're like, Red Bull tastes like apple juice and bubble gum. It does. It really stuck with me. I yeah. still think about it all the time. It's literally the exact yeah. flavor profile. No, it is. <laughs> like you literally nailed it. <laughs> okay. So um, always have a drink in your hand. Always have a drink in your hand for two reasons. One, because when you were drinking. You always had a drink in your hand. And two, it leaves no room for conversation for anybody to ask you if you want a drink. Perfect. Yeah. If nobody asks you if you want a drink, then it's not you fair. can't say yes. Yeah. Right? I know. That's um, also a thing I've noticed with with addicts in my life. Or, I mean, 
I've also mentioned that I go to meetings for, for friends and family of mm-hmm. addicts and and they say the same thing. It's just like an, it's really hard for an addict to say no, mm-hmm. you know. But the other the other the other rule of thumb is that I always drove smart. I always drove. So I always had a means of transportation to get out. Good. And sometimes, you know, it would be like definitely the first few weeks that I would go out with my friends. It would be like I'd probably be at the bars for five minutes. And then I'd go home. Did you still, were you still able to like have fun or enjoy yourself? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I genuinely believe that I have so much more fun now than I ever did when I was drinking. And like, it's so silly for me to think that like, I was so worried that when I got sober that I wouldn't have fun anymore and I wouldn't laugh and I wouldn't dance and I wouldn't go to parties and that I wouldn't go to concerts and I wouldn't do all of this stuff. And I am doing everything times a million now. And now you're actually present for it and and now I'm blacking out and not remembering it. Exactly. And like, even when I was drinking, I always felt like too self-conscious to dance, right? When I'd go out with friends, I would feel too self-conscious and just like do a little whatever. And now I'm like leaping across the ground and just like literally like... My friends have a video of me from like a few months ago. I did the worm across the bar floor. Like <laughs> it has not stopped me in any way. If wow. anything, I've only felt more free and I've experienced more freedom than I ever have in my entire life. I feel like that's because really important. Because of this program. That's so important to hear. Yeah. No, because so many people think that like you get sober and then your life becomes mundane and it becomes boring yeah, and you, you don't enjoy get to yourself. do anything. And it's such bullshit yeah it's such bullshit and people don't want you around and your friends think you're boring it's like i mean oh. yeah i lost i lost some friends when i got sober but good but, friends to lose right yeah because a lot of them were drinking friends yeah you know a lot like of them can't respect a, that exactly a lot of them were friends that i just would you know hang out with to get loaded with and then yeah misery loves company exactly so. so when i got sober our values didn't line up but you know i still kept a good core group of friends and i still partied every weekend and i with the help of my trusty red bull would still be up till five six o'clock in wow. the morning that is really crazy that you mm-hmm. did that i feel like that's unheard of only in the past year have i really started to slow down on my partying really mm-hmm. wow that's impressive though. yeah that's crazy yep. only in the past year because i'm like now i'm starting like almost almost have five years so i'm starting to get like a little bit more comfortable being at home yeah crocheting oh me we already know this is like my whole thing and watching house oh wow yeah it's like my gray's anatomy basically okay another question um after you chose to get sober and now you start dating how did you deal with having partners that drank or um i so i will be completely candid with all of you i've never dated anybody in the program okay um I it's not that I don't necessarily want to it's that it just hasn't happened that way and like I still want that some sense of normalcy yeah um when I was sober you know I've dated some people that still are have their own issues with addiction in different ways um and it becomes really hard you know the lying and all of this like aggressive and self-centeredness really catches up to you and you realize like, oh yeah, this is not what I want. This is not the relationship I want to be in. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's taken me quite a few relationships to figure that out in sobriety. Um yeah. but now I'm I my current partner is, you know, a very normal drinker, has literally zero alcoholic or addictive tendencies whatsoever. So it's like, you know, it's it's 
that type of thing. And he's incredibly emotionally intelligent and kind. And so we just really understand each other on a different level. And it's like, I also kind of like as selfish as it is, I also kind of like having my own thing. Yeah. I get to have my own thing. I get to go to meetings by myself. It's your identity. It's your, it's my, it's yeah, your place it's that you can my feel safe. safe space. Yeah. So not having to share that with somebody else is really, I like that. Yeah. You know, it's like not necessarily I have two lives, but it's like I have my own little community. Yeah. And like I have my own little group of understanding people. Yeah. Um, Do you get like triggered if, you're, if your boyfriend were to just get like belligerently drunk and you have to take care of him? Or has it been hard for you ever? Um. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you a little story. I uh, dated this guy really briefly when I moved to San Diego. Okay. Um, We had known each other in high school and went our separate ways. We had dated in high school, went our separate ways. And then we both found out we were living in California and we were both sober. Okay. And he, you know, kind of ended up going off the deep end. Um, He, we dated for three months and then he showed up at my apartment completely wasted um and so i i immediately was like we're done yeah we're done we're done like i I, i'm cutting ties i'm out you know it's like that's kind of where my program took me it was like okay if you want so i guess i have dated someone in the program um but um yeah it's it's a really really big turnoff yeah so really it just like gives me the heebie-jeebies like it just grosses me out to see people so wasted and their breath smells like liquor and they're falling all over the place and it's like it's like almost like looking in a mirror where I'm like I left that part of me behind I don't need to be with that I don't need to be with somebody else that acts like that yeah (laughs) you're good um yeah that makes sense and I've had a few relationships and you know stuff like that and you know again even still like I have no problem taking my ass home if things get too out of hand good like I have zero problem like I know that I'll be fine I know I'm not gonna miss out on whatever and like if I do miss out on anything I'm it's gonna be fine yeah like I'm gonna be fine right I would rather be in bed protecting my own sobriety than risking it to try to like see something cool or do something cool or whatever um but like yeah I'll still go out with my friends and whatnot and just if things get a little too chaotic and out of hand and you know I mean the people that I surround myself with now are incredibly understanding and incredibly supportive so when it's a moment where I'm like this is too much I'm out there no questions like okay we'll see you later because they know you're they they know know. your journey exactly with it that's it's really good yeah um, is there anything that you would have done differently? No. No. Nope. Yeah. Not a single thing. Good. Because if if there's a saying we do not regret the past nor wish to shut the door. Say that again. We do not regret the past nor wish to shut the door. Ooh. Um I like that. And it is the truth. Yeah. Why would I regret? I mean, if I regretted or changed something changed about my experience then I wouldn't be sitting here today. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be in the position that I am. I wouldn't have the relationship with my brother that finally got mended Good. because of this program and because of my sobriety and because of my journey. Like I, my brother is my best friend. Yeah. My Good. brother is my 100% best friend and biggest supporter. Good. And you know, I, I, when I got sober, it was finally that realization where I was like, oh, that's why we couldn't be friends, you yeah. know? Um, and now we're fully inseparable. We spend all of our time together. So the answer is absolutely not. 
Yeah. No. Is there... So I know... Are we allowed to talk about the 12 steps or at all? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know that there's 12 steps. It's a 12-step program. And part of it is, you know, isn't it mending a relationship with your family or something? How did that Yeah, making amends. Making amends. Yeah. How did that work with coming clean to your family oh, about geez. it? Oh, jeez. Man, amends are, amends are some tough shit. <laughs> because you basically, you basically have to list out every single person you've ever harmed and go and apologize oh, to their face. And you did that. Um, yeah. And, you know, there are there were quite a few people that did not accept my call, that did not want to answer my text, that did not answer my emails or the letters or whatever. They just did not want to hear it. And that's okay. Yeah. Because that's something that I have to live with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The only thing that I can do is continue to better myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, this is all a learning experience. I had relationships mend that I didn't think were mendable or right. fixable. I don't know if mendable is a word. Um, that were fixable from doing this and, you know, reinstated our friendship and, and in so many amazing ways. And I am not going to lie to you. It is terrifying. It is terrifying to sit down and look somebody in the face and say, Hey, I did this, this, and this wrong. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And some of them can literally spit in your face and be like, fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. And you have to deal with that. Yeah. You have to just deal with it because you don't keep pressing. You don't keep you know, messaging them or whatever it is, you just leave it alone. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own, you know, feeling about you. Yeah. And you just have to be okay with it. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. And, you know, a lot of people, obviously, even not sober people have a really hard time with that. Absolutely. And so it's just something, it's a, another thing. It's all about just giving your will over. Yeah. And just, it is what it is. Yeah. I can't make anybody love me and I can't make anybody hate me. Yeah. And that's okay. God, that's a really important lesson for everybody to learn. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, last question. What would you tell somebody that was in your position that's maybe starting to realize they need they need help? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, reach out. Mm -hmm. Reach out for help. Um, it'll be really surprising how many people around you probably know somebody that's already in the program? Yeah. Um, because I had no idea. And then once I got into the program and I started talking to people about it, you know, told my teachers that I was getting sober and all this stuff. And I would say nine out of 10 of them were like, oh, yeah, my brother's in the program or my best friend is in the program or my dad's in the program or whatever it is. And you're like, I had no idea yeah. that this existed. The whole community out there. Yeah. And I just would say that it's OK. You know, it's okay if you can't come in right away. Yeah. It's all right. Sometimes yeah. we need some time to figure it out. Um, but, you know, just remember, as I said earlier in this, if you do come in, that we will love you until you love yourself. Yeah. And if you need anything, anybody, please feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. I'll um, link everything below. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm here for you. Yeah. I've been through it. I know the feeling and I know how scary it is. Yeah. It is just debilitating. And just know that there is a life beyond your wildest imagination waiting for you. And yeah. it doesn't end. It doesn't stop. That's what I was so scared of. I was afraid that it would just stop. Yeah. That everything would just get quiet. And yeah. it's just like, it's now looking back, it's just like so wild to me to think that like, I thought that. And now everything is more vibrant. You're actually here. You're yeah. actually present. It's like, it's just, it's, 
you know, and again, this is a program based on attraction rather than promotion. So right. if there's anything, you know, it's just, I, I wish that you just see how much it changed my life. And I became a person that I never thought that I would be able to. Yeah. I never thought I would have this life. No. I never thought I would have a relationship with my brother or my parents. I never thought that, you know, I never thought that I would be the one that people came to for support, yeah. and, you know, emotional stability. I never thought that in a million years that I would ever be the one that people thought about first. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, I mean, through this program, I've learned to give my entire life to others. Yeah. And so, you know, service is first. So, constantly being of service to other people the fastest way is a little tip i'll give you the fastest way out of your own head is into somebody else's Ooh. so when you're spiraling and when you're having really bad anxiety and you're really stuck in self call somebody else and ask them how they're doing don't talk about yourself at all Ooh, that's a good tip i need to do that yeah and then at the end of the conversation you'll be like wait what was i thinking about again yeah because if you start to, out of your head, yeah, if you start to give your life over to other people and the thing is, is like, yeah, maybe the first two times that you do it, you may not actually care yeah. right? or you may not be listening or whatever, yeah. but if you start faking, faking it enough, it'll actually start to happen. Yeah. You'll actually start to give a shit and you'll actually be remember and be like, oh my God, I forgot that that person had a, uh, their daughter's birthday. I should call them and ask them how it yeah. went. You know, it's like you actually start to remember these things. And through this program, I've learned how to be a friend, how to be a partner, how to be a dog mom, um, how to be a sister, how to be, you know, a cousin and a granddaughter and how to be responsible and pay my bills. Yeah. I had no idea how to pay a bill. That's crazy. Learn how to pay a bill. Wow. And just how to, you know, hold myself accountable and do the things that I say that I'm going to do. Accountability, you guys. Yeah. Huge I mean, word. if you, if somebody asks me to show up for them, the answer is always going to be yes. And my ass will be there right on time, if not five minutes early. That's so important. So yeah. important. It, it's just like, it's, I, you know, I stand up for those around me and it's just, I have been given the most beautiful gift I think I'll ever receive. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank on you point. for having me. Sorry Sharing I talked story. for so long. No, it's good. <laughs> it's like, I feel like a lot of people need to hear this. And, you know, again, I'm going to link everything below. I'll link Maddie's Instagram below. Yeah. If you guys need to reach out to anybody, if you feel, you know, any similarity, sim similarity to her story or anything, I feel like it's just an important thing to to know and learn about. And, you know, you made that decision at such a young age that I feel like a lot of people, it's so scary. It's like, oh my God, it's a whole life, a whole, like. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people in the program 15, 14 wow. years old. And it's scary. It's like, oh, I'll never have a drink again. I'll never do this again. But like, look, you have to look at this, just look at Maddie's story and just know like there's yeah. a life on the other side that's even better and brighter than yeah, what you, you thought. You forget, you know. You forget that you can't drink. Yeah. Like when I first stopped drinking, it was all anxiety about oh my God, I can never have another drink again. And now it's like, oh my God, what if I were to ever drink again? Like your mind completely switches. Trained. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's just, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And I won't sugarcoat it. Yeah. It's really goddamn hard. It doesn't hard, sound easy, that's but for sure. And when you're on the other side, it's pretty fucking nice. Oh, it's well, pretty nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>